Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, guys, welcome. Um, if you don't know, my name's Murray. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a pleasure to come together this morning um, and worship God and get into this word today. A uh, bit of a big chunk of scripture, but I want to kind of explore some of the themes that are being taken through it in a broader context. And uh, I want to ask you guys to start this morning a, a really big question. It's a really, really big question. So don't be surprised if you're overwhelmed by it. It's probably the biggest question anyone could be asked. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? How do you define your identity? What makes you, you? I was having a conversation with a lovely older gent a couple of weeks ago. And after we kind of exchanged names and pleasantries and commented on the weather, uh, I kind of went into that next question. And I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation before with someone and the second you ask a question, you've realised it's a bit of a dumb question, like asking a woman who you're not sure who's pregnant, oh, when are you due? Or like those kind of questions, like dumb, dumb questions that you just shouldn't ask. Well, this was maybe not as boneheaded as when are you due, but I asked this elderly gent, so what do you do for work? And he very graciously responded, I'm retired, fair. Um, of course, at this point, my autopilot conversation had sort of derailed, so I didn't know then what to say next. So I then asked an even stupider question. Uh, what, what did you used to do before you retired? See, it's funny, isn't it? When we talk about identity, so often we focus on what we do. We allow what we do, our job, our role, our title to define our entire identity. I don't know if you guys catch yourselves doing this when you meet someone new, but it's kind of one of the first questions that I ask. What do you do? Are you, are you studying? Are you working? What do you, what do, you do with your time? I um, had another experience recently where I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of people and I was asked to introduce myself. And I got asked a really challenging way to introduce myself. They said, Introduce yourself without telling everyone what you do. Hmm, that's a challenge. I want to give you a second now to speak to someone next to you and try to figure out how you would explain who you are without telling them what you do. I'll give you like quick 10 seconds to do that. Who are you without saying what you do? It's challenging, right? Because what we do is sort of our first go-to in defining who we are, what our identity is. But I think that there's something to say in this passage that Ben read for us this morning that suggests that maybe our identity is beyond our job or our name or who our family lineage is or where we came from, that our identity needs to be founded in something more. Because if you place your whole identity in your job, well, 
I'm sorry to tell you, you're probably going to have an identity crisis when you retire. And if you place your identity in your looks, in your wealth, in your health, I think I said something along the lines in the pastor's desk that got sent out on Friday, your wealth, your health, your situation, your occupation, or your infatuations, right? If you're basing your identity in these things which are all fleeting, it's not a very solid foundation to define your identity in. James writes uh, at the start of his letter, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So who are you? John 21, I think, has some wisdom for us this morning. I think before we get too deeply into it, I think it's really important to note something about this passage of Scripture. There was something which I read in all the Bible commentaries that I went through this week, which was kind of a bit disappointing because it sort of ruined where I was planning to take this sermon. But essentially, all of these Bible commentators said, commenting on this story in John 21, that John the writer, and Jesus himself isn't condemning the disciples for fishing right now. He's not condemning the disciples for fishing. That's not what this story is about. If Jesus was wanting to condemn the disciples for fishing, he chose a very weird way to do it by helping them catch 153 fish. Like that's a weird way to condemn somebody for doing something. That's not what this story is about. And I think when we condemn them for going fishing, we miss a deeper truth, a more nuanced and complex message from this story. Because we are happy to accept that Paul sometimes made tents in his ministry. So I don't think that it's unreasonable to accept that the disciples sometimes continued to fish. There's a really good quote that says, even though Jesus had been crucified and risen from the dead, the disciples still had to eat, right? It wasn't like they didn't need to eat fish anymore. They still needed to occasionally catch some fish. But I think the deeper message about this passage is that God actually cares about your job. God cares about your study. God cares about what you're doing right now in your role, in your commitments. And God wants to bless you in your job or your study or whatever you're currently doing. I love um, Psalm 128 says, Blessed is everyone who is in awe of the Lord and walks in his steps. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. So the sort of message today isn't stop working. It isn't quit your job. It isn't, you know, stop investing in these abilities, skills, gifts that God has given you. All good things come from God, okay? We're not supposed to throw these things away. But there's something deeper that's being called of us today. In John 21, 9 to 11, John writes, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. See, Jesus actually calls Peter to get back in the boat, which is an interesting call. He's calling him to get back in the boat, to keep doing his job. But the point, I think, of this passage of Scripture is that in your working, don't forget your calling. In your working, don't forget your calling. In your working and your resting, don't forget your calling. Before I asked you guys, who are you? Maybe a better question much more nuanced and complex question, a much harder question to answer, is what is your calling? 
Because your job defines who you are, where you are, what you do. But your calling defines who you're going to become, what you're going to do, the person that you're going to step into. When Matthew McConaughey won the Oscar for Best Actor for Dallas Buyers Club, he gave a really interesting speech. And I want to read a little passage from it. He says, there's a few things, about three things to my account, that I need each day. One of them is something to look up to. Another is something to look forward to. And another is someone to chase. He goes on, first off, I want to thank God because that's who I look up to. He has graced my life with opportunities that I know are not of my hand or any other human hand. Oh, rattle, rattle, rattle. He's saying something really interesting here. Because he goes on to say about the someone that he has to chase. He actually says it's his future self. See, Matthew McConaughey, despite, let's be honest, like his good looks and his wealth and his influence and the like little golden statue that he had just won that everybody in his industry covets after, he's in this moment on stage and he's saying, none of this stuff actually defines me. What defines me is my calling. As I set my eyes on God, as I set my eyes on Jesus and follow him, who I am becoming. That's a profound message for us this morning. And I think it's something that we can all learn from. So what was Simon Peter's calling? Well, if we go back to the start of John's gospel, we read the first thing that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ, the Savior, the Lord. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. See, what's your calling? It was probably a good question that I could have asked that elderly gent. He probably would have looked at me like I'm insane. Because we live in a culture which is very used to asking shallow questions and doesn't really ask those, those deeper questions. Not just, hey, how's the weather? What's your name? But what's your calling? Who's the person that you want to become? Because deep questions get deep answers, but shallow questions get shallow answers. But Jesus wants to ask Peter a really deep question in this passage that we're looking at today. A really, really deep question. Simon. Son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, two things to note in this moment. Jesus asks him three times. Why does he ask him three times? Well, as they're around a coal fire speaking, we are drawn back to earlier in John's gospel, the last time Simon Peter was around another coal fire outside the court temple of the high priest on the evening before Jesus is crucified. And people ask Simon Peter, aren't you that guy that followed Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you from Galilee? And three times, as we saw in that video, he says, no, 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 I don't know what you're speaking of. So three times he's denied his calling. Three times he's denied Jesus. And now Jesus is coming back and asking him three times, do you love me? Are you going to pick up that calling again? Are you going to pick up that future that I have installed for you? Or are you going to go back to defining yourself as Simon, son of John? Simon the fisherman, Simon from Galilee. Is that how you're going to choose to identify yourself? Or are you going to choose to identify yourself through a new calling? Through this calling that I gave you. You will be called Cephas, 
Peter, rock, the foundation on which the church will be built. That is Peter's calling that he'd forgotten. And that is the calling that he needs to be reminded of. Not that the fact that he's a fisherman, not that the fact that he's a son of John, not the fact that he's from Galilee are irrelevant, but they don't define him. What defines him was his calling to be the rock of the church, the calling that Jesus had given him. Not his dad, not his friends, not his brothers, not some bully in high school, but the calling, the name, the identity that Jesus had given him. And he says, you know I love you. You know I love you. You know, Jesus, that I love you is what he says. And what's Jesus' response? Then follow me. That's the only true way that we're going to be claiming hold of our identity. Because when we pin our hopes on our jobs or our looks or our money or our prestige or our influence, all these things, like a flower in the scorching sun, are going to fade away. But when we base our identity and our calling in how God sees us as a child that he's called for something greater than we could ever possibly believe, that's a solid and firm foundation, a hope. But I think it's something that's really, really interesting for us to grab onto today for those who maybe already know this. Maybe you already know that they are called by Christ, already have a vision and a, and a view of where they want to be heading as they follow Jesus. For those who've maybe been following Christ for a few years and feel like they know their calling, I think there's something that can also be taken from this passage today. Because what happens as we move on in this story as Peter follows Jesus? John follows Peter. See, John starts following Peter and in turn following Jesus, not because Peter like prayed some perfect prayer, not because Peter quoted some perfect Bible passage, not because Peter was any spectacular person himself, because just previously he had denied Christ three times. But in this moment, John follows Peter following Jesus. I think that's something that maybe we can latch onto this morning for those people in our life who aren't yet in a relationship with Jesus, who don't know Jesus yet, who aren't following him as closely and intimately as we'd like to, that the best thing that we can actually do is emulate Christ. The best thing and most impactful thing we can do miles and miles is to follow Jesus ourselves, to remember our calling, to rely on his daily bread. It takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? When all we need to do is just follow Jesus and emulate. Because notice what happens when Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and starts worrying about the John behind him. He stops focusing on following Jesus and he starts worrying. He stops following and he starts worrying. He says, Lord, Lord, what about him? What about, what about him? What, are, what about him? And what does Jesus say? Jesus answers, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You just must follow me. You just need to stop worrying and start following. That's all that we can do. The rest is in God's power. I want to finish today by reading part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It's in the message translation. I just thought it was so beautiful as I was reading it this week. And it's a bit of a longer one, but it's a, it's a longie, but it's a goodie. So I want to read it to you. 
So I think it's really going to summarize a lot of the ideas that are in John 21 this morning. Jesus is saying, if you decide to live for God, living a life for God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to God than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildfowls. They never prim or shop. Have you ever seen colour and design quite like that? The 10 best men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. And if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And here's how he wraps it up. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Jesus is saying, stop worrying and start following. Craig um, Keener a biblical commentator says it's noteworthy, however, that Jesus invites Peter to feed others only after Peter himself has first been fed. See, if we really want to be taking care of our families, our friends, our community, we need to make sure that we are first filled with the daily bread that Jesus brings. You'll notice when we read this passage today that when Peter comes ashore, Jesus already has fish and bread there on the fire. I might call the band up. See, he calls Peter to bring more fish, to contribute, to be part of this mission, to be part of this breakfast meal that they're sharing. But there's this bread, this living bread, this bread of life that only Jesus can provide. Peter didn't have it. John didn't have it. Thomas didn't have it. There's a bread of life that only Christ can offer when we follow him. Our fish, our contribution are important, but he's already got the fish there. He doesn't need it. The fish are for us. And he's got this bread of life that we need to lean into and take, to take the calling that has been set out for us in advance. Do you need to discover your calling this morning? To have an identity in something firmer and stronger than the things that will fade away in the scorching sun? Do you need to get maybe back on the path to following Jesus? Do you need to stop worrying about other people's journey and start following? 
I'd encourage you to get prayer this morning. We've got a prayer corner up the back. Our team would love to get around you. I'm sure the person next to you would love to pray for you if that's too intimidating. I would love for you guys to not walk away this morning without taking hold of a identity and a calling that won't fade away. Stop worrying and start following. Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who cares about our jobs, cares about our study, cares about our friends and our family, cares about what we do with our lives. But God, what you care about most is who you have called us to become, to become more like you, Jesus, to be more filled with your spirit, to emulate you in everything we do. God, you don't call us into a job, you call us into a relationship. And Lord, I pray if there's people here this morning, whether in the room or listening online, that God, your Holy Spirit would be moving in their hearts right now. Because they know that the things that they've been building upon are shaky. They've been building on a foundation of sand and God, they need a foundation of rock, a calling, a name, an identity that won't fade away. God, wouldn't you give us the strength to continue to follow you faithfully, to stop worrying about everything else and start following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.